and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 212, Recognizing and Responding to Hopelessness. This is one of those podcast topics that is extremely necessary, but difficult to record and maybe difficult to listen to. And that is okay. As a grief counselor, a bereavement coordinator for hospice, I've done more seminars than I can possibly count over the years. And I've always said that when I was doing them on a regular monthly basis, there was one particular one that I wanted to skip because it was one that caused me the most angst. And yet... It was the one that I did not need to hide from. And that was the one that had to do with complicated mourning. So the short of it, all of us deal with grief. All of us have losses in our life, whether it be deaths, whether it be illnesses, whether it be loss of a job, a fire that takes her home, and on and on and on the story goes. And we all deal with that in different ways, and it brings about different emotions as well as different thoughts. And for most of us in most situations, even though the grief is difficult we work through the thoughts and the emotions and continue on with our life. Not the same because it's not possible, but we do continue to live. But some people and some losses are especially complicated. And as a result, The person may need specific intervention to help them with that loss or maybe multiple losses. For instance, somebody who's had multiple family members killed in an automobile accident. That's a complicated loss automatically. And sometimes, not all the time, Complicated grief situations can lead to senses of hopelessness and suicidal thoughts. We've been walking our way through the book of 2 Samuel and the life of King David King David's not in the best of places at the moment. He's running from his son Absalom. And we've spent, I can't even tell you how many weeks, in 2 Samuel 17, we've been talking about David and his grief regarding leaving Jerusalem, leaving the kingship for what he thought was best because he didn't want Absalom to destroy Jerusalem and all the people in it. And so we've been walking through it, and we've we've spent a lot of time on it. 
Today, I'm going to briefly read back over 2 Samuel 17, but we're going to camp out on the verses that have to do with the Hithophel. So if you've been with me for a few weeks, in episode 203, which the link is down in the show notes, we did a lesson on do you have a Judas in your circle? And in that podcast episode, we talked about Ahithophel. So Ahithophel was a an advisor for King David. And I don't know when he switched sides, when he became rotten. I don't know. I, and I still can't figure that out. But we know that he did. And he definitely advised Absalom. And he repeatedly advised Absalom in ways that it showed such hatred for David. And in that podcast episode, I compared Ahithophel in David's life to Judas in the life of Jesus Christ. And before we ended, I mentioned that there was one more area where Ahithophel and Judas they had so much in common, and that was in how they ended their lives. And we're going to compare them again today. So let's roll down through this, and I want you to think about a time in your life where you may have felt like, what's the use? For some of us, we remember that time very specifically. For others, that may not be something that you have dealt with and be so very thankful. But Ahithophel and Judas both came to places in their lives where in their minds... It wasn't worth it anymore. And they chose to end their lives. For the last year or so, I'm not even sure how long it's been, on every one of the podcast episodes, even if I don't mention it in the spoken part, in the show notes, there is a graphic as well as the verbiage for the National Suicide Lifeline, which is 988 is the number. And that stays on there and it will stay on there. Because even though I don't talk about the topic very often, it is something that stays very strongly on my heart and in my mind, wanting to make sure that I help equip You, as a listener, first and foremost, that if you are feeling those hopeless feelings or having those hopeless thoughts, that you get help now, this very, very moment. Like, turn off this podcast and get help. Call the 988 number. Reach out to somebody that you trust. Get help now. But also, equipping you as a listener to be better prepared 
to deal with opportunities, and I know the word opportunity is a hard word in this case, but opportunities to be someone who can drop a bit of hope in the midst of somebody else's hopelessness. So let's read 2 Samuel 17. Then we will also read a little bit of the story of Judas and compare. And then I'm going to read from the Suicide Prevention Lifeline website, just some of the warning signs, some of the risk factors, and then the five steps that they suggest. And this is not a, you know, an educational piece where you're going to finish this and go, oh, I've got it all down. No, that's why the weekly assignment feature is to educate yourself on the risk factors, warning signs of suicide, as well as the steps for helping. And then there are tons of resources out online either on that website or other websites that will help you better be prepared if and when you come across somebody who is in a place like Ahithophel or Judas. Maybe it may be a situation like them where they made really, really bad choices. Judas, like, he's really upset and he knows he did the wrong thing. Ahithophel... His sense of hopelessness was different, and I don't think we'll ever understand it totally. So let's, 2 Samuel 17, let's roll through this, listen for the parts specifically about Ahithophel, which I will highlight those, and then we will hop to Judas and then to the website. So 2 Samuel 17, now Ahithophel urged Absalom, let me choose 12,000 men to start out after David tonight. I will catch up with him while he is weary and discouraged. He and his troops will panic and everyone will run away. Then I will kill only the king and I will bring all the people back to you as a bride returns to her husband. After all, it is only one man's life that you seek. Then you will be at peace with all the people. This plan seemed good to Absalom and to all the elders of Israel. And as we talked about this a few weeks ago, Ahithophel's military strategy was very good. It was really the correct one, but God made sure that Absalom did not take that advice. But it was all about Ahithophel. Let me, I will, I will, I will. He was very, very centric on himself. That's where he was focused. Here we go, verse 5. But then Absalom said, bring in Hushai the archite, which was David's little um, person that he had managed to get inside of Absalom's inner circle. Let's see what he thinks about this. When Hushai arrived, Absalom told him what Ahithophel had said. Then he asked, what is your opinion? Should we follow Ahithophel's advice? If not, what do you suggest? Well, Hushai replied to Absalom, this time Ahithophel has made a mistake. You know your father and his men. They are mighty warriors. Right now they are as enraged as a mother bear who has been robbed of her cubs. And remember that your father is an experienced man of war. He won't be spending the night among the troops. He is probably already hidden in some pit or cave. And when he comes out and attacks and a few of your men fall, there will be panic among your troops and the word will spread that Absalom's men are being slaughtered. Then even the bravest soldiers, though they have the heart of a lion, will be paralyzed with fear. For all Israel knows what a mighty warrior your father is and how courageous his men are. I recommend that you mobilize the entire army of Israel, bringing them from as far away 
is Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south. That way you will have an army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And I advise you personally uh, to personally lead the troops. When we find David, we'll fall on him like dew that falls on the ground. Then neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. And if David were to escape into some town, you will have all Israel there at your command. Then we can take the ropes, drag the walls of the town into the nearest valley until every stone is torn down. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, Who shall's advice is better than Ahithophel's? For the Lord had determined to defeat the council of Ahithophel, which really was the better plan, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. When we talked in that particular week, when we were focusing on just verse 14, about what the Lord determines. And if he determines something, there is nothing that man can do to change that. And so the Lord determined that Absalom and his men were going to think that Hushai's advice was better than Ahithophel's, which it was from God's plan, but it wasn't from Absalom. And here we go. So Hushai told Zadok, and Abiathar the priest, what Ahithophel had said to Absalom and the elders of Israel and what he himself had advised instead. Quick, he told them, find David and urge him not to stay at the shallows of the Jordan River tonight. He must go across at once into the wilderness beyond. Otherwise, he will die and his entire army with him. Jonathan and Emmaus had been staying in Enrogel so as not to be seen entering and leaving the city. Arrangements had been made for a servant girl to bring them the message that they were to take to King David. But a boy spotted them at Enrogel, and he told Absalom about it. So they quickly escaped to Baharim, where a man hid them down inside a well in his courtyard. The man's wife put a cloth over the top of the well, scattered grain on it to dry in the sun, so no one suspected that they were there. When Absalom's men arrived, they asked her, Have you seen a high maze and... Jonathan, the woman replied, they were here, but they crossed over the brook. Absalom's men looked for them without success and returned to Jerusalem. We talked last week about the urgency that Hushai had to tell David to get out of Dodge. And why is it that we as Christ followers do not have the same urgency to give people the good news of Jesus Christ? The best news ever. Here we go. So, so, 21. Then the two men crawled out of the well and hurried on to King David. Quick, they told him, cross the Jordan tonight. And they told him how Ahithophel had advised that he be captured and killed. So David and all the people with him went across the Jordan River during the night. And they were all on the other bank before dawn. And here is the main verse when it comes to Ahithophel. When Ahithophel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hanged himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. So we're going to finish out this little section here just um, so we can say we finished out 2 Samuel 17 and then talk a little more about Ahithophel, Judas, and how we can how we can see these signs. So 24, David soon arrived at Mahanaim. By now, Absalom had mobilized the entire army of Israel and was leading his troops across the Jordan River. And it talks about who Absalom appointed as his commander and 
we'll skip down. When David arrived at Mayanam, he was warmly greeted and da, 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 oh, talking about these people and how they brought sleeping mats. They brought everything for David. They, they wanted to take good care of him. And that's how the chapter ends. So Ahithophel, what do we see about him? He finds out that what he told Absalom and Absalom's men to do, they didn't do. And exactly why this upset him so much that he would commit suicide, I don't know. I at least think part of it is just his pride because again, what was his advice? I will, I will, I will, I will. And he may have realized that if Hushai's advice had been followed in this case, he had, he had kind of lost his job, so to speak. He thought he had this big plan and he was going to either be Absalom's right-hand man, which he had been to this point, or maybe even he could take over. Like, you do not know what his ambitions were, but what you do see is when he hits this point of rejection or this point of what he perceived as failure, he doesn't immediately attempt and complete suicide. He puts his affairs in order. And I think most of us know that at least in some cases, that's a sign that someone is contemplating suicide. It's when they start giving away things, like out of the blue, like making no sense. And so we see that Ahithophel did not do this. This wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. He made a choice. And I do just wonder as Ahithophel went to his hometown, who did he encounter? Did anybody see what was happening and think it was out of the ordinary? Did anybody confront him? Like, we, we don't know. Let's go to Judas. So Matthew 27, 1 through 10. Christ has been taken to Pilate. Judas has betrayed Christ, the most famous betrayal of all time. And we got Matthew 27, 1 through 10. It says, Very early in the morning, the leading priest and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. <laughs> what do we care, they retorted. That's your problem. Then Judas, then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priest picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field, and they made it into a cemetery for foreigners. That is why the field is still called the field of blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says they took the 30 pieces of silver, 
the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. And so we see that although Judas and Ahithophel both attempted and completed suicide, they may very well have done it for different reasons. And that happens every day. I think many of you have heard of the statistics about the number of U.S. military, whether it be active duty or it be veterans that have left active service, that complete suicide each and every day. And I can pretty much guarantee there are no two exact same stories. But almost all of them, if not all of them, feel a sense of hopelessness. So, from the website, let's look at it. So, what are the risk factors? And this is not an exhaustive list, even though it is a lengthy list. So I want you to think about this. When you think about the people that you encounter, the first is mental disorders, particularly mood disorders, schizophrenia, anxiety disorders, certain personality disorders. Now, I would love to comment on all of these, but I can't because we would be on here forever. I want you to go do your research. Number two, alcohol and other substance abuse disorders. Number three, Hopelessness. Number four, impulsive and or aggressive tendencies. Number five, history of trauma or abuse. Major physical illnesses. Previous suicide attempts, which that is huge. Family history of suicide. I've got to stop there. So in our area where I live, I know of one particular family where the father completed suicide in a particular location, and a few years later, one of his sons did exactly the same. Oh, oh, that that family legacy would not be as it was. Next, job or financial loss. That could very well have impacted Ahithophel. Next, loss of relationship or relationships. Easy access to lethal means, that has a, an impact on it for sure. Local clusters of suicide, where you've got, a, let's say, groups of teenagers that have done suicide packs. Oh, just hurts my heart to even say it. Next, lack of social support and sense of isolation. That one is huge. Stigma associated with asking for help. So sad. Lack of health care, especially mental health and substance abuse treatment. Culture excuse me, cultural and religious beliefs such as belief that suicide is a noble resolution to a personal dilemma. I honestly don't know whose culture or religion that that would be the belief, but oh my, how wrong that is. Oh! Exposure to others who've died by suicide uh, in real life via the media and internet. It just, um, it just, it hurts my heart when I read these even. So what are the warning signs, at least per the lifeline? And these are, 
That doesn't mean that if somebody has some of these that they are suicidal. But if you've got a few of these, like you've got somebody that some of these, you, you kind of see a cluster of them and you start scratching your head going, there may be more going on here than I anticipated. So talking about wanting to die or to kill themselves. There you go. That's the top one. No doubt about it whatsoever. Next, looking for a way to kill themselves, like searching online, buying a gun, talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to live. That one is a huge, huge, huge one for me as a counselor. Talking about feeling trapped or in unbearable pain, whether that be physical, mental, emotional pain. Talking about being a burden to others. Ugh. Increasing the use of alcohol or drugs. Acting anxious or agitated. Behaving recklessly. Sleeping too little or too much. Withdrawing or isolating themselves. Showing rage or talking about seeking revenge. Extreme mood swings. And then the suggestions that they give is this five-step of how and why the five steps can help. It's these five action steps. This is not the end all. Like it, it's not the end all, but it will give you just some thinking patterns of where to begin. The first one is ask. It's Ask somebody, like have the guts. And this is hard. This is hard even as a counselor to ask somebody, are you thinking about suicide? Or are you thinking about killing yourself? Like some people have in their mind that it, if I bring it up, I somehow or another am planting a thought. No, you're not planting a thought. When you bring that up, Either it's something that they haven't thought about that they're like going to look at you like, where in the world did that come from? Or in their mind, they're going, how in the world did you know? But wouldn't you rather err on the side of caution? And then the flip side of the asking is then be willing to listen to what the person says. Don't try to gloss over what is hurting them. What is bothering them? Like, listen, truly listen from the heart. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, listen. Because in order to get them to help, they have to trust you and they have to believe that you have their best interest at heart. Next, be there. So, being physically present and and sometimes you can't be physically present because you're talking to somebody via social media you're talking to somebody via whether it be a video chat or maybe it's an old-fashioned phone call but like hanging in there with the person being willing to be present with them Can you just imagine being someone who feels as though they have no one who cares if they leave this world? And yet, you show them that at least one person 
at least one person cares. It may not be what is the final say to keep them here, but it might be enough to help them turn around and at least be willing to listen. Number three, help them, help keep them safe. Like, help get them either to the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, again, that's 988, or get them to somebody who's going to, that has the tools to help them, whether it be an emergency committal, whether it be their regular counselor, whether it be family members. I remember years ago when I was a young counselor and I had somebody who had a loved one who had committed suicide and that caused this particular person to want to follow suit. And I didn't get them in the very early days, but I, it was still early. And they were still very much wanting to commit suicide. But there was a, a part of them that as much as it seemed hopeless, that they were willing to be supported and willing to give life a chance. I don't think she thought that it was going to, to work out. But I remember coming up with a plan with her of her never being alone until she was in a place where she was safe. And it made a world of difference. And I was able to discharge this lady much earlier than I would have thought because she got in a better place mentally and emotionally and she had good support and it made a world of difference. And then helping the person connect, whether it's the 988, whether it's professionals, whether it's like just being willing to keep them safe, physically safe, and then getting them to help whatever way that that takes and then following up, if it's possible, to reconnect with them. It just, uh, you know, sometimes whenever I start talking about these topics, God sends me back to circumstances and situations that I haven't thought about in years. And I had this person in my life where... I was a major player during a time where they were strongly considering ending their life. And I remember the I remember doing exactly what is on this five steps, not that I knew anything about the five steps at the time. It was just common sense because I cared a great deal about the person. So therefore, I was there for them and I was willing to listen and I was 
keeping them as safe as possible, making sure that they didn't have the items that they were considering using, and making sure that they got mental health counseling. And then this last step is to follow up. And I did that for a season of time, an appropriate season of time. And I sit here this very moment, knowing that the person is alive, knowing that the person is thriving. And I'm just sitting here thanking God for his intervention during that season, for putting me in the right place. Was it uncomfortable? Oh my goodness, yes. Was it scary at times? Absolutely. But I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, what What would have happened if Ahithophel or Judas had somebody who would have intervened on their behalf that they at least would have caused them to pause. Judas was so overwhelmed with regret. He knew he had betrayed the one who had chosen him. And he was broken. Why Ahithophel got to that place? We don't really know, but we do know that he thought it out. Some people complete suicide in a knee-jerk manner where they've just gotten the breakup call or breakup text in this day and time, and they pick up a container of pills and down them just in one of those knee-jerk reactions, and they don't have a chance to make a better decision. It's obvious that Ahithophel was not reacting. He responded and he chose to do that. He made a conscious choice. How many people are you and I going to encounter even today who might be at the end of the rope? Some people think, oh, I'll know, I'll know. Like, I, I, there can't be anybody around me who is that hopeless. A few years ago, the company I worked for at the time, we got a, an email that a co-worker had completed suicide. And the people around her were stunned. Absolutely stunned. She was an uplifter. Sometimes when you look back, you can see indications. They wouldn't have been obvious from a forward perspective, but looking back, you can see it. May we all just stop right this very moment and whisper a prayer 
for eyes to see those around us who are hurting. It doesn't have to be that they're suicidal, but just those that are hurting. As I, and as I was talking a moment ago, a face flashed in front of my mind. It's not, not that I expect that the person is suicidal, but I know the person's hurting. At this moment, I don't know how to intervene beyond prayer. But that's my challenge right now. I'll start with prayer and then be willing to be God's instrument if I can help with the hurting before it does turn to hopelessness. Are you willing? Are you willing to be someone that God places in the gap in front of somebody who sees no other way. Now there are some times and there are some people that are so bound and determined to leave this world that no matter what you do, they're going to accomplish it. I've sadly seen it way too many times. But then there are many that if someone just showed concern. They would stop. And as they stopped, it would give time for more support and more resources to be on board. Please join me as I pray. Dear God, as I read about Ahithophel and I read about Judas, and I think about all the people that I personally know who have been devastated by the suicide of those they love. I pray for them this very moment. I pray, dear God, that you would give them the strength and the courage to continue to move forward. Dear Father, for each of us who have had those days or seasons of time where living didn't really seem to matter, I thank you that each of us is still here. Dear God, you have a purpose and a plan for our lives, and that purpose and plan is never for us to take our own life. Never. You are the giver of life and you are the one who numbers our days. I pray that you would give us give us a vision for our life. When Satan wants to plant those what's the use doubts in our mind. I pray that we would be able to send those packing in Jesus' name. And I pray that you give us eyes to see those around us, to truly see those around us. 
and give us the courage to pray and to intervene. Dear Father, you've laid this podcast topic on my heart for a reason. And I pray that your will will be done. Thank you for all those who have contemplated suicide over the years, but did not do it. I thank you for their lives. Please continue to use them. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. I told you this was going to be a tough one, but it's one that can literally save a life. Remember, 988, that is the new New as in probably about a year now, um, suicide prevention uh, lifeline. That's so easy to remember. You can get information off of their website. There are wallet cards that you can get that have a QR code. There's all sorts of resources for social media. So much is out there, but like you can go to be the one com, and that was where the information was about the steps and it goes into more detail. There are videos online. There's so many things to help us be better prepared to help others to see that their life matters and to choose life. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you just want to know more, you can either reach out to me at encouragingothersandlovingjesus at gmail.com. You can go to the link down in the show notes. I want to begin a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have any questions, concerns, other than you are suicidal, please contact the Suicide Prevention Lifeline for that. But any other biblical concerns, topics, questions, reach out to me at my email address, or at one of the social media platforms. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, and we have our Facebook group, all of which are Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus, or Twitter is EO in Loving Jesus. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is free to share with others. Click on it, share it. It costs you nothing, but it could possibly save a life. And just remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm -hmm.